Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, welcome to part one of an eight-part series that we are taking the time to focus on relationships. And you say, Pastor Phil, why would you take eight weeks? Because relationships are complicated. Can you say a good amen? I want to ask you this morning, how many of you are in a relationship right now? Let me see your hands. Let me see you there. How many of you have kids? Let me see your hands. You're in a relationship. How many of you have, I don't want to say how many of you have friends, because if people don't raise their hand, then we're going to know who doesn't have friends. But all of us have some type of relationship. We are in, so we're caring for someone, even if it's a pet, or we're caring for our grandmother. We have brothers, sisters, friends, and then there's dating, then there's friendship. And so we are going to cover all of that during these eight weeks. We're going to talk about parenting and, and how that applies. But what one universal thing that you're going to find out through the series is that whether you're single or you're married or whatever type of relationship you have right now, whether it's siblings, a lot of the principles and truths apply throughout. It applies throughout. And what I've entitled today, I've entitled today Relational Synergy. Would you say that with me? Relational Synergy. Say it a little bit louder. Relational Synergy. I love the title of our series, Relational Goals. Because, you know, every new year what happens is that people make goals. They make their goals for their nutrition. They have nutritional goals. They have educational goals. They have corporate goals. They have exercise goals. Come on, somebody. And they have all these goals, and which are great, and I love it. But, you know, if I were to ask you how many of you today have relational goals. Because I think sometimes our approach to relationship is, well, let's just kind of see who we meet this year. Let's just kind of see what, we're, what happens. And in our health, in our exercising, in our education, in our corporate life, we all have goals. But then when it comes to relationships, we can live more accidental than we can intentionally. I can be intentional about what I'm going to eat. I'm going to be intentional about my time at the gym. But then what happens is we go out throughout life, and when we are at work or just around with family, we're not intentional about the relationships that we have. And I think today is going to help us so much. What is God's heart regarding relationships? What is God's heart? What, what, what is the purpose of relationships? Because good relationships, or let me say this, great relationships don't just happen. They don't happen accidentally. They happen intentionally. How many of us in this room, if you're married, how many of you know you got to be intentional this year about making your marriage better? Good marriages, great marriages don't happen accidentally. If I were to ask you today, what about your friendships? How many of you in this room would say, you're a good friend? Some of you even may say, you know, Pastor Phil, I invited some of my friends, but I invited my flaky friends. They need to hear this message, but they flaked out this morning. 
And I'm just encouraging you. We need to invite people because relationships are so important. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. We're going to spend some time there today. And I've entitled today Relational Synergy. And what we're going to do today is we're going to focus on friendships today. We're going to focus on relationships, but particularly friendships. And I'm going to look today at what is God's heart behind relationships. For relationships and you in my life is to help us fulfill our purpose and fulfill our destiny. You cannot fulfill your destiny and your purpose alone. That was never God's intention. Even from the beginning, God said this to Adam. God said to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. In other words, I think sometimes we only think about that in the context of marriage. Well, that means I gotta get married. Well, it also means this. It means that you need relationships to help you get where God wants you to be. What God was telling Adam is that this purpose is so vast for you. He even told Adam, he says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And let me encourage you today, Passion Life Church. God wants your life to be fruitful and he wants to see multiplication in it. The Bible tells us that his desire is for you to bear much fruit. Can I hear a good amen? Much fruit. We're gonna talk about that this year. God is interested in much fruit. But I think when we look at Adam and Eve, we can look in the context of marriage and they are married. But you know what? I think we forget the fact that they are still in a relationship and God said, look, Adam, I'm giving you this job, but I don't want you to do it alone. I'm bringing along someone to help you fulfill your destiny and your purpose. And so today is really about the purpose of relationships. And these principles that we're going to talk about, uh, really about how to have a godly friendship, but it's also how to have godly relationships. And let me just qualify this when I talk about friendships. Today, I'm not talking about casual friendships, okay? There's different types of friendships. And when you look at Jesus's life, he had different types of friendships. He had one relationship with the crowd. I call that casual friendship, right? The woman with the issue of blood, she's mentioned once, she had an interaction with Jesus, she got a miracle, and she walked on. That's a casual relationship. But then Jesus had close friends. Those were the disciples. Those were the 12 that he spent more time with. Now, casual relationships aren't really going to change your life. They're interactions. It's who you are intentional about letting come close to your life that is going to have the biggest impact. Why is it that the disciples wanted to do miracles? Because they hung out with Jesus who did miracles. Because you become like those you spend a lot of time with. And so there was close, but then Jesus had another, a whole nother level, and I call it covenant relationships. There's many times where Jesus was about to do something, and the Bible said that there were three that went with him. Does anybody know who those three are? Peter, James, and John. He went to go heal someone, raise them from the dead, and he said, Peter, James, and John, I want, with you. I want you to come in. How many of you know he didn't ask Downey Thomas to go in the room? He asked, Peter, James, and John. 
And so even Jesus had levels of friendship. And I think sometimes when we don't identify those levels in our life, see some people are close friends to us, but they actually need to be casual friends. We've let them in too close. And there are some people in your life now, they're very casual, but they're great friends. You need to put them into the next level. You need to start making them and allow them to be closer into your life. This other level, what I call covenant relationships, it's more represents a brotherhood. Have you ever had people, even guys, you have a guy that's a friend and he feels like a brother. I mean, you know how many of you know you can't pick your family, but you can pick your friends? Because some of us, if we picked our family, we wouldn't pick who we, I won't go there. But how many of you know, we have friends that we're like, man, you, you're like my brother. Same, same with you ladies. You have girls who are like, man, you would be my sister. That's the kind of level of transparency, a brotherhood that Jesus had with Peter, James, and John. So today as we dive in, I'm not talking about casual relationships. I'm talking today about people who are close to you, people who come into your life to partner with you. And as a matter of fact, you're going to look as we look at these things today that Jesus is actually this type of friend to us. Because you may say, you know, Phil, as you're talking about this and I'm evaluating my friends, I, I don't have any close friends. Actually, if I could correct you, you do. You have one, and his name is Jesus. In John 15, 15, Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friend. Isn't that amazing that we have a God that calls us friend? Jesus calls you friend. And so in my life, I want to be the type of friend that Jesus is to me. And in actuality, Jesus is those three to you. He's not just casual. He's close with you. But he's also, the Bible says, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Have you found Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9? Let's talk about the value of relationships. Today, is, I think he's just going to bless you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. And who is writing this? King Solomon. He's the wisest man who ever lived. So I think he's got some information on relationships. You can watch Dr. Phil all you want, but I'm going to glean a little bit from Solomon. Come on. This is what he says. Two are better than one in verse 9. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will pick up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him. Verse 11. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how will one be warm alone? Let me read that again. But how can one be warm alone? Though may he be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a three-cord is not quickly broken. Let's look at this. In verse 9, here's what King Solomon says. He says two are better than one. Now notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say that one is bad. He just says two is better. Not that one is bad. There are a lot of things that you can do by yourself. But in reality, two people can do more than one person. So two can do more. And I'm going to encourage you because today I'm just telling you, I'm all about relationships because I'm understanding the value of what God has for relationships. And here's reality today. The reality is, is that Solomon is saying that there are certain rewards 
that come with friendship that you don't get by yourself. There are certain blessings. He says, look, he says, you're going to labor. This is what he says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. So he's telling us, and we've probably already figured this out, that relationships are work. When someone texts you, you're supposed to text back. Or don't have a phone. Or you text someone. Or guess what? He's saying that relationships are going to be an investment. But there's a great reward for this investment that you make. So this means you're going to have to invest sometimes. Sometimes you're going to have to show up for people. Sometimes you're going to have to be the one that's going to make that investment. But here's what Solomon's saying. There is such a reward for that investment. It's worth it. And I came to tell you relationships are worth the investment. But what is the rewards that he's talking about here? Because if there's rewards, I want one. And I want to know how to get that. So he's going to show us what happens when two people come together. And let me submit this to you this morning. When two people come together, there's synergy. Would you say that with me? Would you say synergy? Let's define that. What's, what's synergy? Synergy is when people, groups, or things come together to produce something greater than any of them could ever produce on their own. There's a synergy. There's a synergy. I don't know if you remember this, but back in 1992 for the Olympics, they assembled the Dream Team basketball team. I have a picture of them. I don't know if you can see it because of the lighting. They assembled, and ESPN says, it was the greatest basketball team ever assembled. You have Magic Johnson. Come on, he's bringing his magic. Whatever that is, right? He's bringing his magic. Now, if that's not enough, if you need more than magic, then you got Michael Jordan. You got Michael, and you got, and see, a lot of people don't talk about Scottie Pippen, but Scottie Pippen helped Michael Jordan a lot. Because, don't get mad at me, but Michael Jordan didn't do it all by himself. He had someone named Scottie Pippen who had great assists because Scottie Pippen was smart enough to know who Michael Jordan was and I get him the ball. So they worked as a team. Then you have Carl Malone. You have David Robinson by himself, seven feet tall. I met him one time at a hotel and I was like, how you doing? Hello, hello, hi David. He's like, hello. You know, like the Jolly Green Giant, hello, hello. I couldn't even imagine playing basketball with him. That's just him. But you know, each one of these guys on their individual teams had lost games. The, the Bulls had lost games. But you know, the synergy of them coming together for the 1992 Olympics, they did not lose one game. Because two is better than one. You know what's interesting is that Magic Johnson commented on this team and he says, I was coming down the court, I looked to my left and there's Michael Jordan. I looked to the right and there's Charles Barkley and there's Larry Bird. He's like, I didn't know who to throw the ball to because they're both awesome. Magic Johnson said, he said, this is the greatest basketball moment of my life is being on this team. Why? 
it wasn't because Magic Johnson wasn't great, no. But when he came together with others who were great, there was a synergy of them doing more. And let me just encourage you, because some of the articles said that they had to, listen, they had to put aside their rivalries for the great of the country. They had to put aside their Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, mm -mm -mm, don't like each other, but they were willing to synergize to get and put unity and have unity, put aside their rivalry, what? So there could be greatness for the country. And I'm telling you, this is what the enemy does. He tries to come in and make us have rivalries with people who we could be and have uh, a synergy relationship with because the enemy knows, guess what? Two can do more than one. Listen, it's not a coincidence. When you look in the beginning, God made Adam. As soon as he made Eve, guess who shows up in the picture? The devil. You know why he shows up in the picture? Because he understands that two are better than one. And if he can keep people divided over silly things, and eventually what's going to happen is it hurts your destiny. Because when we come together, there is a synergy that's going to help you move faster towards your destiny than you could get by yourself. Is this good this morning? Amen. Now listen, Pastor Phil, it sounds good, but I, I need some Bible for what you're talking about. I love all that NBA stuff, but that's not in the Bible. So let me give you Bible instead of NBA. I like the NBA, but I also like the Bible more. Because here's something you need to understand. Synergy is to relationships what multiplication is to math. Listen to this scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30. It says, how could one chase a thousand but two can put 10,000 to flight. One person can put 1,000 to flight, but when two people come together, it's not addition, it's multiplication. One person puts 1,000 to flight, but you know what? Two people put 10,000 to flight. That's power. That's relational synergy. That's why marriage is so important because when the devil, that's why he does everything to separate you and everything to divide you and you fight over dishes and you fight over who's taking out the trash. You fight over who's leaving the lid up and who's putting it down. Come on, somebody. Amen. Is this too real? And you know what? Because he knows that you and your spouse can put 10,000 to flight. Listen to Leviticus chapter 26, verse 8. It says, five of you will chase 100, but 100 of you will chase 10,000. This is a charge to us as the body of Christ that if we could come together, come on, we could set off fire alarms together. Come on, somebody. You know, that's why churches are so divided and they fight over the stupidest things. And I left my church condition. Oh, shut up. I'm going to tell you what our pastor says. Toughen up, buttercup. There's a war to be won. And the enemy's happy because, you know what, Christians are fighting over what translation of the Bible we're supposed to use. And there's a world going to hell. Because if we could come together, if we could be the body of Christ and not just a little thumb, but if we could be the body of Christ, watch out. We're going to be that city on a hill and we're going to be that church. The Bible says that the gates of hell cannot stand against. Come on, I'm excited this morning because I'm about unity. 
the potential of relationships. And so here's what Solomon's going to do. Solomon's going to outline what I like to call three reasons, or we're going to specify three reasons for relationships. And again, this can apply to friendships. This can apply to even partnerships and business, and this can apply to friendships. And this is what he says. He says, two are better than one because one, they have a good reward for their labor. Now listen here, verse 10, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Here's number one. Good friends help you make progress. Will you say that with me? Say progress. Come on, let's say it like we, like, we want some in 2017. Say progress. Progress. God made relationships to help you progress. There are friendships that God will have in your life to help you progress. He wants friends in your life that are committed, listen to this, not just to their progress, but to your progress. A good friend is someone who doesn't just look at their own needs, but they also recognize somebody else has some needs, and I'm going to help you. Notice the Bible says they both fall down. In other words, you have two imperfect people. But a good friend, when one falls down, one will get up, and he doesn't just walk away when his friend is down. He doesn't just kick his friend when he's down and stab him in the back and say, ha, 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 I got up. You are still down. No, the Bible says that this type of friend, when he sees someone else down, he goes and he lifts them up. So you know what this tells me? If you're taking notes, a good friend, a good friend is not interested in competing with you. They're more interested in being committed to you. Because see, one, I'm all about competition. When it's football, I love talking smack. Come on, I get out on the basketball field. I don't have that much skills, but I can talk smack to you. I can make you throw a brick just by what I'm saying. And you'll throw it up and you will not want me playing against you, but you will want me on your team. But listen, Competition in relation in sports is great, but competition in relationships is not good. And I tell people during pre-marriage counseling, if you're going to sit here and compete with each other, you shouldn't get married because you're supposed to hear, you're supposed to be here to help enhance each other and be committed to each other. Because see, here's what happens. A friend who is competing with you when you're down, they're excited because that means they're winning. No, Solomon says, you know, when you're winning is when two are winning, not just one. And so he says, you know what? Good friends help you make progress. You know what? Solomon says, look, a good friend is going to lift you up. I looked up that word lift in the Hebrew because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. It says this, he, uh, lift means to rise, to get up. Listen to this, to continue, to make good. A good friend is going to help you make good. I always like to say this, and you can tweet it. Your best friends are those who bring out the best in you. He's my best friend, but he brings out the worst in me. No, he's your worst friend. 
Who are the people in your life that make you better? And I love this because, you know, even Paul in the New Testament, he was committed to his friend and he was, his apprentice was this young pastor named Timothy. And Timothy was going through all these things and Paul was focused on Timothy's progress. Oh God, that we would have friends that would help us progress and move forward. And listen to what Paul said to Timothy. He was encouraging him. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, it says, be diligent in these matters matters. Give yourself wholly to them. Paul's telling Timothy, listen to this, so that everyone may see your progress. Paul, listen, Tim. Yo, Timmy, I'm interested in your progress. Now, if I'm interested in your progress, that means there's going to be times where I'm going to have to tell you the truth in love. That means there's time we're going to have to have some discussions because I see potential in you. And you need to know that regarding relationships, especially friendships and, and marriage, there's Bible principles and law. You know, the reality of it is the Bible says this, we reap what we sow. You know, because I have people say, Pastor Phil, you know, I, this is all good. But you know, I just, I just don't have good friends. I mean, I don't have anybody that's a good friend to me. And you know what I always ask them? I ask them this, who are you a good friend to? Who are you a good friend to? You know why? You reap what you sow. So if nobody's reaching out to me, guess what I got to do? I got to reach out to somebody. I can't just stay there and wait for somebody to text me. Listen, if you want to feel loved, go out and love somebody. If you want to have encouragement in your life, go encourage somebody else. If you don't want to be alone, then go be there for somebody else. Listen, if you want to be heard, then listen to somebody else. But listen, if you want to receive, you're going to have to give. That's just not during the offering time. That's in relationships. And I think sometimes we have not because we don't give. We want everybody to be our friend. You know, the Bible says, if you're going to have friends, you have to show yourself friendly. And I want to tell you, that always starts with a smile. I gravitate towards people who are smiling, not who, who people look like, that look like they're silent but violent. You know what I'm talking about? They got those crazy eyes. Yeah, I, I don't gravitate towards you. But smile at me. I will be, I will, I, we could be friends. Why can't we be, okay. And here's what Solomon is saying. This investment that we're talking about is worth it. Because when two of you come together, there's a synergy. And here's what happens. Your life gets easier. You move faster towards your destiny and your life gets better. Because once you give out, you also get back. And so good friends will help you make progress. Here's number two, good friends will give provision to you. Listen to what Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 11 says. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Now, we read this, and I think sometimes we take this literally, and we think about, well, this is the context of marriage. Well, it actually does talk about marriage, but you know, in my Bible, this whole context of, of Ecclesiastes that we're reading right here in Ecclesiastes chapter four, the subtitle is The Value of Friendship. It's the value of friendship. So he's not just talking about two people laying together the way that we would think and snuggling and cuddling, and if you're married, yeah, that's part of it. But he's also talking about here. Listen to the word warm in the Hebrew. The word warm in the Hebrew means to be or to grow warm. 
to be or to grow. And so what's happening is that he is saying there's going to be times in your life that you can't grow alone. You need a friend that's going to help you have some breakthroughs in your life. Someone, and he's not just talking about physically warm. He's actually talking about emotionally People in your life that when you're going through stuff, they're speaking to you. They're encouraging to you emotionally. Solomon is saying, listen, we have to support each other. That's really the context of this. Two friends are going to support each other. But he asked this question. He says, who can keep warm alone? And I think this message this morning is very important because we live in a society where everybody loves to isolate themselves. I'm going to be honest. I like to, too. It's, I like being around people, but understanding that I'm a pastor, but I also understand the value of relationships. And I have to make myself at times talk with people and not because they're wrong. It's just in me, there's an isolation. There's something inside of me all the time that just wants to pull back. And hey, a little privacy is good. I get it. But I know people that don't have any friends. And they pull back and they isolate themselves. And I'm going to tell you, you can't accomplish your purpose and your destiny in isolation. And let me give you this warning in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. He says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all wise judgment. All wise judgment. Hebrews tells us, Don't forsake getting together with the brethren. Don't forsake it. Don't forsake coming to church. Why? Because you need other people. You need encouragement. I'm praying that we build such a great church here at Passion Life Church that there is such encouragement that's happening every week that when you come, people are like, oh, you look so good. Oh, I like your new boots. Oh, wow. Did you do something with your hair? You just look thinner. You look great. Come on, somebody. And it's like we sit here and we wait for people to tell us something, but we don't say nothing. And if you want encouragement, you got to go out and give it. I look for reasons to compliment people. You have to look. It's not, there's an investment. In 20 years of youth ministry, we would see kids walking through the door with mohawks and they would use super glue to pull their hair out and they would come into youth. And you know what? I would hug them and i say, I love your hair. I know your parents hate it, but I'm not your parents. I'm your youth pastor, and I love you, and I love that work of art. They came back to youth. You know why? Because we gave encouragement. We gave encouragement. And I'm just wondering today, even if you were to leave today, if you, before you left today, you just encouraged one person to just say, hey, you look good today. Hey, you know what? Thanks for coming to church. But listen, Solomon says, who can keep warm alone? Can I ask you this? Can you grow on your own? No, you can't even grow in wisdom on your own. All the wisdom that we get, yeah, we get wisdom from God. But listen, there were actually men who, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, wrote this book. So when I get into this book, I'm not getting wisdom by myself. I'm getting the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? We need wisdom regarding marriage. We need wisdom. Even when you go on Google to find out information, you're not doing it alone. Someone has gone before you. And here's what happens. Here's the synergy of what happens in relationships because Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, he who walks with wise people becomes wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. 
who can stay warm alone? And I'm just going to be honest with you. Because I think this is what Solomon is saying. Who can stay warm alone? So in other words, when you're alone, you grow cold. In isolation, I'm going to tell you, he says, you rage against wise judgment. So you start to grow cold. And I'm going to give you the Phil Valdez translation. And you get weird. (laughs) Have you ever heard this? He don't get out much. And we're like, we know. Because you, within your own mind, start to think of things because you're alone and you think it's okay. Have you ever tried to share something with someone who you thought and you were thinking when you shared it, you're like, yeah, that didn't, it sounded better in my head. And Solomon is saying, guard against isolation because in isolation, you're gonna grow cold. You need to come to church because you're gonna grow cold in the things of God. And let me just say this. I talk to a lot of people who are anti-church. I don't go to church. God can give me wisdom by himself. Yeah, he can. But you know what's interesting is when I talk to them, they misquote the Bible. They don't understand the Bible because they're alone trying to go through things. And I'm going to tell you this. The stuff that I preach, I not only preach it because I feel from the Holy Spirit, but I also vet that through some of the pastors that I know. And when there's a revelation that comes to me that I think I've never heard, I run that through some people sometimes. Because you know what? God help me. I get up here and I get weird. I hope you help me not get weird. Because I've been to the churches where everybody loves the pastor, but they know he's a little off. And nobody has the guts enough to say, dude, that's way out there. And you know what? Relationships help keep you grounded. And I don't want you to grow warm or grow cold. I want you to grow warm by the fellowship of people coming together. The Bible says this, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron. So when I come together with you, what you have is going to sharpen me. And what I have is going to sharpen you. Why? What's the goal? Progress. Progress. God wants you to progress. Well, God, you know, he will help me. And let me just encourage you, he will, but he uses people. The Bible says this, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men, people give unto you. So what I sow, it comes back in people. People, even when I give to God, you know what? I've had people write me checks. I didn't walk out from my apartment and a check came down from heaven. And I was like, no, somebody wrote me a check. You know why? Because God uses people. He uses people. He uses people. So the, here's the solution. When I'm with you, we're wiser. Because you have experience, I have experience. 
And I'm going to be honest with you. I would rather learn from your experience. I would rather you say, hey, there's a hole right there, and I fell in it. Don't do it. Than me fall in the hole. I'm just going to be honest with you. So when we both come together, we're wiser. That's why I have people, even in the finances of the church, we have one guy right now. He's our trustee. Whenever we're going to make big decisions, guess who I call him on the phone? Because when I talk with him, I get wiser. He has a heart for churches, and he's starting to give to churches. And I thank God we're one of the churches that he gives to. But you know what? When we come together, we talk church, and I have the vision, and he's got the provision. Come on, somebody. And when we come together, there's synergy. And because I'm going to be honest with you, I went to Bible school. I know how to preach, and I'm learning all of the business aspects of everything. So you know what I do? I synergize with people who are business people because you know why? They're going to help me progress in areas that I'm weak and I think sometimes we don't we're not honest about our weaknesses because we want to cover them and then we get in isolation and here all along God's bringing people into your life that want to help you in certain areas of your life so you progress so you move further towards your purpose you move further towards your destiny so friends help you make progress friends have provision for your life and here's the last one are you still here this morning here's the last one for today because here's what i'm hoping i'm hoping that today when you see the value of relationships it'll cause you and inspire you to invest in more people And maybe look at some of the relationships you have and go, you know what, so-and-so, we're not real close. But in the area of whatever area that is, even if it's in fitness, man, I want to do this. I want to be here in my health. You need to contact somebody who's an expert, somebody who's already gone down that road to help you. Come on, somebody. Instead of isolate yourself. And I'll pull up a diet on Google. Okay. Synergize. And here's the last one, number three. Solomon says, good friends offer protection. So it's not only progress. When we come together, there's provision, more than I would have on my own, but there's also protection. In verse 12, he says, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a three-cord is not quickly broken. So here's the reality. Good friends will fight with you, and good friends will fight for you. Good friends will fight with you and good friends will fight for you. They won't just sit and be quiet while other people are talking about your reputation. They offer protection. They speak up. They stand up for you in the war zone. They don't just sit there and watch other people say things that shouldn't be said. You know what? They'll stand up. They'll go to combat for you. What's interesting is that when Solomon was writing this, he was writing this in a time based on ancient military strategy where there was hand-to-hand combat. And this is what he was referring to. He's referring to a friend as somebody who would have to stand behind you because in combat, you would have to stand back to back. You know why? Because you had blind spots. You can't see. You don't know what's behind you. It's the same with friendships. It's the same with life. We talked about this at Life Group this last week. Friends are supposed to help you in your blind spots. Because you look in the mirror and you go, hey. And you got a lot of things that need to be arranged, but you only see certain things. You know what I'm talking about? But a friend will come along and say, hey, man, you look great, but you got a piece of salad on your lips. That's a friend. Right? You're eating and they got something coming off and you're like, I don't know if I should tell them. 
Well, a good friend will go to bat for you because you know what I would hate to happen is that friend get up and he's got coleslaw on his lip and he's walking around and he looks in the mirror and he comes back. He goes, I've been sitting here the whole time and you didn't tell me. I'm like, no, I was so afraid. As a matter of fact, I was really selfish because I didn't want to tell you because I was just thinking about me. So I let you walk around the whole <coughs> restaurant thinking everything was okay. So when I got your back, you got my back. And you know what it helps us to do? It helps us to see the blind spots, and two of us can overcome more of the enemy and win when we're fighting together. But the enemy wants us to fight each other. And I really believe if you don't fight the right battles in your life, you'll end up fighting the wrong ones. There is a fight, ladies and gentlemen. There is an enemy. He wants to steal kill and destroy from your relationships, from your marriage. He does not want to see unity because he understands when we are unified, we can do more. We can do more together. You know, Solomon says that two can withstand more. The word withstand in the Hebrew means this, to endure and to establish. So there's going to be times in my life that when I have the right friends, they're going to help me endure in times where I may not be able to endure by myself. And let me just remind you, I'm not talking about casual friends. I'm talking about the people who you invest in, who are loyal, who love you, who care about you. And let me just say this before we end today. You know, I meet a lot of people who are highly offended a lot. And I understand that things can happen that offend you. I get it. But the Bible says that we are supposed to be able to have a relationship where we can speak the truth in love. Not just, well, I just tell it like it is. You need to tell it like it is in love. Okay, stop, stop overcompensating and say, this is just how you are and you just tell it like it is. That's why you have no friends. That's why you have no friends. You speak the truth in love. But I've been there when I try to speak the truth in love and a person gets offended. And I got to tell you, that's the, that is the goal of the enemy because our relationships are supposed to make us better. And how can we be better if we can't talk plainly about what's going on? And you know what? He wants us to fight each other so we're not fighting him. Think of how much better of a parent you would be if you and your spouse are unified. Come on, even your kids know. Daddy says, no, I'm going to mama. My son does it. And I catch him. I, I spy on him. And I caught him the other day. He went to mama and I jumped out from the counter and he looked at me and said, did you just ask mama? Dad, yes. Well, daddy said no. And mama said no too, right? Yes. Okay, we're unified. Where is he going to go after that? You know what he does? He's obedient. But even kids from the time they're little, they know. Where's the loophole? Got to get the loophole. Where's that loophole? And you know what? The enemy does the same things in our life is he tries to find the loophole. And my church family, I'm just telling you that if we can come together, there's more progress, there's more provision. Listen, and there's more protection. When we're together, we fight better. And this is what Solomon is saying. These are the rewards of your labor. And this is the kind of God that we have. He fights for us too. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse four says, for the Lord, your God is he who goes with you to fight 
for you against your enemies to save you. So stop fighting with God because God is trying to fight for you. That's why he tells you, don't do this. He's fighting for you. He wants to see you progress. Come on, he wants to see you have provision. So a good friend will always protect you. And let me say this. They will even protect you from you sometimes, if you'll let them. Sometimes our perspectives are a little off. And a good friend will say, you know, I just think you're being real emotional right now. Maybe you may want to take a break before you make this decision. And if you'll allow a good friend and understand, they want to see you progress as much as they're progressing. They may even protect you from you harming you. Does that make sense? So here's the clincher. Because we could all close the Bible today and say, oh, Jesus, give me this type of friend Pastor Phil's talking about. Can I tell you? I hope you pray. But you know how you're going to get this type of friendship? Is being this type of friend. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 